how to start that conversation with your friend about their mental health. First, make sure you aren't too far away. Closer, closer. Whoa, 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 too close. Now have something open-ended like, you all good? Are you all good? Or is everything okay? Is everything okay? Well done, awkward teenage actor. Actually, no. Thanks for asking. Find out how you can help a friend with their mental health at seizetheawkward.org. Awkward. All right, and welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today's guest, Mary Giuliani. And she's going to talk to us today about your struggle with addiction is a normal response to untreated trauma. Mary's new book is a blending of memoir, science-based research, and a practical, complex trauma workbook and addiction recovery health guide, healing guide. In it, Mary shares her story that in midlife, she discovered the root cause driving her struggle with relationships, health, work, and her past. Struggle with alcohol, drugs, food, and severe obesity, which was a condition known as complex PTSD, a more severe form of PTSD that developed from her being raised in a chaotic, alcoholic home. Today's Mary going to talk to us about her journey, how she got here today, and what she's doing to help the masses regarding their recovery and wellness. Welcome, Mary Giuliani. Thank you, Felipe. It's a joy to be here. Indeed. Mary, tell us. A lot of times the people in the helping field has something happened to them regarding their walk into the helping field. There's not many of us in the helping field that just, I just want to be a helper. I had the perfect life. It's very, in that, it's very rare that it ever happens. It happens on occasion, but those people tend to burn out very early in their careers. What got you here today? Where did this journey of recovery start? Tell me, how did your recovery come out of such chaos? Well, yes, uh, I was raised in a pretty chaotic alcoholic home. And so I started using food to cope when I was only like five years old. But of course, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I just thought the way I ate was normal and started gaining weight and um, getting bullied and at school because of my weight. And then I started uh, drinking and smoking pot when I was like 16 and smoking cigarettes. And the first time I drank, it was like, I swear to God, it was like an elixir sent down from the gods. It felt so amazing that I just knew I had found what I'd been missing. And so that started a journey of about 10 years of daily drinking and using and, and still binge eating. And so by the time I was about 27, I had basically hit my bottom. I was, you know, the part the 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 joy and the bliss of the party style had burned out probably a few years after it started. And basically the only reason I was continuing was to feel less crappy because of how much I drank and used. So I went to AA and got sober. Luckily at the time, um, they had gay AA meetings since I'm a lesbian. And this was back in like 1987. So that made it really safe for me. And uh, so my original recovery started in 87. And after a few starts and stops, I, I put together 12 and a half years of sobriety. Then I went to OA and lost 140, because I my top weight, when I got to AA, I weighed over 300 pounds. And so I went to OA and um, between working the OA program and 
a healthy food and exercise plan. I lost 140 pounds. And so always feeling like, okay, great. My life's on track. You know, I started my own business, became a life coach in my thirties. And even though I had been in recovery for all these years, I was still struggling. I mean, I looked good on the outside because I had a successful business, a successful coaching practice. I own my own home. Um, I, you know, I had a normal sized body. I was still struggling with food to some degree. I was still struggling with anxiety and sleep and relationships. And so I just thought it was like just one more personal growth thing I needed to overcome. And so, you know, I was in and out of therapy and I was always reading personal growth books and stuff. But it wasn't until I turned 57 that I, I came across uh, a best, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite recovery podcasters at the time, uh, Holly Whitaker, she had a podcast called Home and she recommended, uh, she had her best books of 2017 posted on her website. And so I went to the website and I noticed one of the books was about trauma. And I never, I never thought it would apply to me because in my mind, the only way you can experience trauma is from sexual or physical abuse. And since none of that happened, I just, I just, I'm a real psychology geek and, and I've noticed a lot of uh, books on trauma out and I just wanted to learn about it. And so I'm reading this book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And the, the subtitle is The Brain, Body and Mind in the Healing of Trauma. And I'm like, oh my God, here he is talking about how I didn't need to be sexually or physically abused to experience trauma being raised by a mother who, you know, an alcoholic mother who was depressed, who was raging at my dad on a regular basis, keeping me up at night for almost a decade and, um, and shaming me and shaming him was more than enough toxic stress to, to traumatize my brain, body, and mind. And so I'm just like having epiphany after epiphany going, oh my God. And so then it gets to the point in the book where or I'm not sure if it was in the book or I just did research where it's showing these brain scans of kids that were brain scans of young children that uh, one is a scan of a child that experienced severe neglect and one is of a normal child, normal childhood. And in the severely neglected child's brain, there's entire regions that are dark because there's no activity or it hasn't like developed at all. And those were the regions in the pre, what they call the prefrontal cortex, which is in the front, which is the part that regulates emotions, that uh, regulates impulses, that uh, helps you hold attention. And I'm like, oh my God, no wonder I struggled with school. And no wonder I struggled with controlling my impulse to stop eating when I wasn't hungry or, or why I couldn't stop drinking or smoking pot. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden, all of these pieces, puzzles of my life started to fall in place. And the thing was, is, you know, one could say, okay, so what? You had trauma. I mean, the, the thing is, is that I, what I didn't realize about trauma until I read this book is it's not just a psychological thing that you can, that you can heal and talk therapy. In fact, there's a point, there was a point in, and I listened to this book on Audible, I'm listening and at one point, Bessel van der Kolk says, no amount of talk therapy can completely heal trauma. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I you know, I'm rewinding my audible. And yeah, he's like, no amount of talk therapy can completely heal trauma. And the reason is because the trauma not only impacts you on an emotional, psychological level, but it also lives in your nervous system. It, it's a, 
in your body in in it changes your brain and in order to experience optimal healing you need to access special trauma treatments and therapies and practices and since i had never you know i had done a ton of 12 step stuff i had done you know therapy and read a bunch of books but i had never done any kind of body or brain types of trauma therapy and so at first it was like i felt like oh my god i'm relieved you know like all of these struggles I've had with food and drugs and alcohol, and even my existing struggles were never my fault. I'm not broken or weak or a failure. You know, I didn't ask to be traumatized. So there was a huge relief, you know, of, okay, great, I'm not alone. And then after I, you know, got through that feeling, then it was like, well, wait a minute. If I had been, you know, told by the, I had seen dozens of therapists, or this is like for 30, I had been in recovery for 30 years by the time this discovery happened. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, so if just one of the therapists or psychiatrists I'd seen had said, hey, you know what? You have classic symptoms of, of childhood trauma or complex PTSD or whatever you want to call it. I would have been all over it and I would have gotten into treatment and would have saved myself years of struggling. And so that's what lit a fire under me to write this book. It was like, if I'm like not knowing until I'm almost 60 that you know these past struggles and existing struggles are due to trauma, there's gotta be millions of other people. Oh, and the other piece I, I wanted to throw in there too is that, which was a huge aha moment, was learning that childhood trauma or complex PTSD, which is the same thing, is also known as relational trauma, meaning that since we are raised, because it, it, it happens in the context of close family relationships, and as a result of being exposed to that kind of stress, when we grow up as adults, we typically struggle with close relationships because it triggers a nervous system response, it triggers emotional responses, and a lot of us just feel too triggered to even deal with relationships, or we stay in, in unhealthy ones, or... Um, or we just stay single and have a cat or a dog. So that was the big breakthrough for me. And um, and so that's why I wrote the book. And so I, you know, I, I'm like, I, I really want to get this out there. I want to share my story. And because so many people think, even therapists I've heard will tell their patients, well, you don't have trauma because you didn't have sexual or physical abuse. And it's just such a disservice. And it, I mean, it, I, I don't want to blame therapists because from the many that I've talked to, they were not trained that trauma was a like, you know, complex, well, complex PTSD is not officially acknowledged in the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders. It is in the ICD-11, which is the World Health Organization's manual. But still, you know, to me, if you're a therapist, if you know, I think it's their job is to give you a correct diagnosis, whether it's in some manual or not, and, and refer you out to the types of therapies that can actually give you the best chance of healing. So that, in a nutshell, that's why I wrote the book. Indeed, indeed. Writing books is a, a labor of love. Obviously, you did it, you know what I'm saying, to yes. help the masses get a resource that isn't viable to a lot within their reach because like you said many therapists do associate trauma with physical and sexual abuse we are just now 
I've just seen it recently in, in um, my assessments or my EMRs expanding that trauma narrative to accidents, to even vicarious trauma, which a lot mm -hmm. of people in certain neighborhoods and cultures experience. Therapists may discount them saying, oh, well, it didn't happen to you. Why are you feeling that way? Or why are you, why are you saying this in therapy? If it didn't happen to you, that happened to someone 100 miles away. Not understanding the impact of just seeing it or hearing it or mm -hmm. experiencing it vicariously because they could associate themselves as someone that that could have happened to. Right. Well, and, and you know another. Uh, well, the, the the main trauma I experienced was having to witness and listen to my mom raging at my dad for many hours, several times a week for many many years. And actually, a therapist that I really like reading books from is Terry Real, and he talks about that being witness abuse. And um, in fact, there's studies that show that children that experience chronic fighting or tension, whether it's emotional abuse between parents or physical abuse, have really uh, negative mental health outcomes. And so what Terry Real said one time, it really struck me, is that when a parent is shaming or just being really emotionally abusive to a spouse, that is going into the child since the child really has no boundaries. That abuse, they're experiencing like it's going into them. And so, uh, you know, I had no idea that uh, what I had gone through could be considered trauma. And, um, and so, you know, it's so important that, you know, this information gets out there since, you know, just like if it was a traumatic brain injury, nobody would question that you should get the right treatments to heal. And in a sense, many people talk about complex PTSD being a form of a brain injury because it's not something that you developed or, you know, that you were born with. It hap It's something that happened to you. And so, um, you know, and the main thing, too, with addictions and obesity is there's so much stigma and shame and judgment in our culture that actually... I, I did a lot of research about this, like 93% of people with substance use disorders don't get into treatment because of stigma and shame. And I mean, it's tragic. I mean, if, if they, and you know, the thing about the, the whole addiction thing, as far as, you know, like drugs and alcohol, is not only are you dealing with complex PTSD, but once you, and, and you know, the initial draw to using drugs and alcohol is to, you know, shore up the deficits of, a lot of the neurotransmitters that you didn't get because of the trauma, but also to numb the pain. But once the, the addiction, you know, you have copious use, especially during adolescence, um, it becomes a brain disease. And then you have two, two illnesses you have to contend with. You have complex PTSD and you've got the brain disease of addiction, which has, you know, you have to treat that as well because you're going to, you know, if, if you've got a serious addiction, you're going to have to deal with how to manage cravings, how to um, look at your options. Like, for example, I relapsed with alcohol and food after 13 years of sobriety after a breakup. And at the time, I didn't know that um, I was in a trauma response from the heartbreak of not having really a family be there for me as a child. So when I lost my relationship, it was like, triggering all of the, the the sadness and loss of not having a family when I was growing up. And so it magnified the breakup and it made it so painful. I ended up relapsing 
And I literally spun in and out of AA for two and a half years until I finally went to my doctor and said, I need abuse because I don't, you know, I just had, it was like, I felt like there was this energy that just compelled me to drink whether I wanted to or not. And so I went to, you know, got the abuse and then went to AA meetings. And I thank, thank God, I, I stayed on it for like six months and I got sober. So the other piece I think that's so important about addiction recovery is that relapse is often part of the process. Of course, that's not the intention, but there's some, and one of the things I notice sometimes in AA or, you know, other types of groups is there's a lot of shame about relapse. But when you look at the statistics, um, 60% of people will relapse in their first year of sobriety. And so when we look at addiction like a chronic disease, like asthma or diabetes, for and, and this is another in, incredible study I, I found, is that the, the relapse rates for addiction are similar to the relapse rates for diabetes or or asthma or hypertension, but the difference is that the these other diseases are are deemed you know chronic illnesses, and so they see a doctor to manage that chronic illness. Whereas addiction, even though it is a chronic illness, is not looked at that way. And so many people have so much shame when they relapse; they don't come back, and a lot of times they die out there. And so, um, I just want to make the point that. Um, Relapse is not, you have not failed. You, you just need to relook at what you need to do to make it work. I used, like I said, abuse to get back. And actually, I didn't realize this, but that's a form of uh, medication-assisted therapy. I always thought uh, MAT or med medication-assisted therapy was only for like opiates. But any kind of drug that you use to help you stop an addiction is considered MAT. So I used the patch to quit smoking, and that was MAT. I used abuse for, you know, alcohol. And so the thing is, is that there's tons, not, I mean, there's many different ways you can get support to stop your, your alcohol or drug or nicotine addiction. And unfortunately, there's so much energy in our culture about, well, you have to be strong enough and pull yourself up by your bootstraps or you're weak and a failure when you are an organism and when you have the brain, brain disease of addiction, you're not on an even playing field with people that don't. So does that make sense? Indeed, indeed. Your book, tell us yes. about your book. Well, um, it's called, it's not about food, drugs, or alcohol. It's about healing complex PTSD. And I blended memoir, and science-based research and a healing recovery guide, trauma healing guide, like a step-by-step step step with worksheets and uh, quizzes and questionnaires, as well as a uh, addiction recovery guide. As a, I'm a master life coach and I've been working as a coach for over 20 years. And so the coach in me always wants to follow up the education about this with practical steps to, to heal. So I've shared everything I've done to heal from addiction, obesity, and um, and trauma in it. And so the first uh, part of it is just talking about learning I had trauma from reading that book, Body Keeps the Score. And then I share just the first maybe uh, quarter of the book of my story, what happened to me growing up, how I struggled with obesity from a very young age, 
Um, and then also coming out as a lesbian to myself when I was like 15 in a Catholic school. So going through the trauma of religious, you know, emotional abuse, as far as I was concerned. Um, and then, you know, um, getting sober. Um, I also, in the second part is where I talk about discovering I had trauma and going through all of the different insights because trauma is not just the memory of what happened. It's, it's many things. A childhood trauma not only impacts, yes, you might have a, a memory of what happened, but the, the bigger impact is on how it lives in your body. You actually relive it. In other words, um, for example, my major trauma was witnessing parent, my mom screaming at my dad for hours on end. And so today, if I see I'm out in public or something and I see an, a, a couple fighting, um, I notice right away that I tense up and I want to get away from it because that's the trauma that lives in the nervous system. And so, um, and so the, the tragic thing about th this not being so well known for people is, is how it really uh, hurts close relationships. What I found before I had, you know, understood I had trauma is in my romantic relationships and even my friendships. Instead of knowing that what was going on with me was a trauma trigger, you know, either my partner would blame me, I would blame her or would blame each other and eventually throw our hands up and think that the relationship wasn't working and, and give up on it. Um, but the truth was, is I was in a trauma response and I didn't know it. And just understanding that and having a partner that understands that and has compassion for you, you know, you can own your side of the stuff, you know, and, and your partner can also uh, own their part. And it's amazing how much easier my relationships are now. And even with my friends in the past with my friends, uh, I used to think before I learned about the trauma stuff, I'm like, why don't I have more friends? I mean, I love people, right? Well, as long as I feel safe, I love people. But, you know, I didn't realize until a, I learned about complex PTSD that I had developed a people aren't safe worldview because trauma impacts your worldview. And, but I didn't know it. And so what would happen, how it showed up in my life would be when people would, let's say I had a long-term friendship with somebody and they started behaving in ways that were really annoying or uh, offensive to me. But instead of confronting it, since I experienced so much conflict so much conflict between my parents and it never ever got resolved. I went into a trauma response and froze and just pulled back from the relationship and just let it die. And so, um, and, and then um, the other thing that was, so I talk a lot about relational trauma. I also talk about attachment styles, how uh, when you are raised by a, a parent with an insecure attachment style, meaning that they're either that they were raised by a parent with a similar style. There's certain needs that you have to feel safe in a relationship. And so it's important to know what yours is and to know what to ask for and to not judge yourself or pathologize it. I also go into um, how, you know, food saved my insanity in an insane home. And so I think one of the biggest benefits of learning all about this is how de-shaming it's been. Um, because before I learned this, even though I'd been in recovery all these years, I'd lost all this weight and kept it off. I, I'd lost like 160 pounds, kept it off. Um, 
I still had too much shame to come out about it publicly because in my mind, just having struggled with it felt like a failure. And so now that I understand why I struggled with it and that it wasn't my fault, I don't have shame about it anymore, which is huge. I mean, to me, the shame about addiction and obesity is just as painful as the addiction and the obesity itself. And so um, that's been huge. And then I also talk about post-traumatic growth, um, how when you get on a trauma healing journey, things start opening up in your life. You know, you start, um, you're able to make develop closer relationships. You're able to forgive yourself and have compassion for yourself and others. Um, this actually opened me up to really taking my coaching practice and specializing in working with trauma survivors that want to recover from either food or, or substances or, or live their purpose and share their story with the world like I am. Um, you know, 70% of people are not happy with their jobs. And um, a lot of people just are stuck in some kind of a limiting belief or just whatever happened to them growing up has caused them to just not feel that kind of confidence. And so anyway, so I go into all of these different aspects. Also codependent, another big break, uh, aha moment was I read Pete Walker's book, who's a prominent trauma therapist called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And he talks about how you know, there's the classic fight, flight, freeze trauma response that most people know about. But he says there's a fourth F, or and he calls it the fawn response, which is also known as codependency. Well, you know, I had gone to CODA meetings many years ago and did a ton of work and really helped me with my boundaries and my self-care. But I had no idea that codependency was actually a trauma response that lives in your nervous system. And it can, if it's not addressed, I mean, it can be just as deadly as substance addictions. I mean, there's people that will die to stay with and take care of someone else just because they're so frozen in that response. And so I talk about that. Um, I also talk about um, just how much I struggled with my work over the years. And the reason I struggled, even though I'd been doing coaching, I focused on business coaching because I felt safe with it. And when I did trauma, not trauma, but just personal, because I didn't know I had trauma back then, uh, more personal development kind of coaching, it was triggering for me. And so it wasn't until I learned about trauma that I understood why. And, um, and the other reason I didn't do the kind of coaching I'm doing today is because I didn't want to, to focus on people with drug, alcohol, or food problems because of my own disowned shame and judgment about it. And so once I really embraced that this has been part of my past and, you know, came out about it, um, my whole career has opened up. And so that's another really, really beautiful experience of knowing that I can heal and that I can really integrate all aspects of my life. And, you know, even though I thought those were my worst liabilities, they've become my, my greatest assets. And so in parts, uh, three of the book is the actual healing guide. And that's where I take you through all the, the there's the resilience building practices. Um, resilience, interestingly, when I first heard about trauma, I kept on hearing this word resilience. And I'm like, what, what's up with resilience? I mean, why is it such a big deal with trauma, you know, trauma healing? 
because I always just thought resilience is okay. Well, you can, you know, you're able to bounce back when you're down or but what does this have to do with trauma? Well, what I learned in the trauma world is that resilience in this context is really how flexible your nervous system is in being able to recover from stress. So as trauma survivors, we have, there's this term in, in the trauma world called window of tolerance. And basically like I kind of use this kind of, you know, metaphor in a sense. So if something upsets us, if we haven't done trauma healing work, our window of tolerance might be here. And if it goes above this level, we go into what's called hyper arousal, which means we're anxious, we're agitated, we're angry. Um, we might have a panic attack. We can also go to the opposite direction, which is hypo aroused, which is depression, sadness, shame, uh, a feeling of no feeling at all or deadness. And so one of the goals in healing trauma is to learn how to regulate the nervous system and, and, and thereby build and expand the window of tolerance. In other words, you can have the same thing happen, but you'll be able to you know, bring yourself back into a level of balance and well-being a lot quicker. Because before you do trauma treatment, you know, a lot of us, we get upset a lot easier than other people. It takes us longer to calm down. And you know, hence, we reach for things to soothe us. And for me, it was food, drugs, and alcohol. For other people, it could be work, it could be screen time, it could be gaming, it could be sex or whatever whatever their behavior of choice is. But, you know, the, the whole point of this is learning where that is for you. And then the other part of the recovery manual part of the book is I talk all the different treatments, trauma-based treatments, the types of psychotherapies that are body, brain, and mind-based, as well as neurofeedback. Um, I talk about um, breath work and yoga and all the different things that have been recommended as trauma, evidence-based trauma therapies and, and practices. And also building agency. A lot of us grew up not feeling like we had any power because you know we were in a crazy environment that we had no control over. And we may have been shamed by our parents or by our church or whoever. And so we never had the confidence to really feel like we can create what we want in our lives. And so there's exercises on that. There's exercises on setting boundaries. Uh, raising standards, uh, how to build healthier relationships, because again, childhood trauma is relational trauma. And so I show you how to slowly and safely uh, move into more uh, safer you know, communities or relationships. And, um, and then there's a whole menu that I provide. It's 36 items of evidence-based trauma therapies, as well as everything I've done to get sober and lose my weight. I did have weight loss surgery, by the way, in 20 years ago. And I know some people might think, oh, well, she had weight loss surgery. That's why she's left, you know, kept her 160 pounds off. Well, the reality is studies show after 10 years, uh, people that have had gastric bypass surgery will gain 50% of their weight back. And I haven't gained, I've maintained all of it off. And the reason people gain their weight back is because they have untreated complex PTSD. And so the reason I haven't gain my weight back is because I've been working on, you know, healthy relationships. Uh, I have a food plan. I have an exercise plan. And, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on, you know, staying on track with it. Um, so anyway, I have everything, whether, you know, uh, 
I, I have all kinds of stuff in there about how to keep reach and maintain a healthy weight, how to get sober, all the things I've done to get sober. But all and then, then I have a whole resource guide, which has like hundreds of twelve uh, step groups as well as non twelve step groups and trauma based organizations, podcasts, music, movies, uh, memoirs, and tons of books. All the books I've read are in there too. So it's a real comprehensive healing book, uh, workbook. Uh, resource guide. Makes sense? Uh, yes, ma'am. Check out your website, Mary. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your website, Mary Giuliani. Oh, right. Not related Would you like me? You. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And then if you want to get the book right now, uh, Kindle's running a special. It's only 90, the Kindle version is only 99 cents. And uh, also um, the paperback, you can get the paperback too. So yeah, I would definitely jump on the Kindle one because again, it's, and and you know, what's so exciting is it's only been out for 10 days and it's already gotten 29 reviews, five-star reviews on Amazon. And it's ranked in uh, number one, uh, new bestseller in five uh, categories. So um, yeah, if you click on, actually, if you're on my website right now, if you click on the Amazon link right there, right there, right there, yeah, right there, that big banner that says Amazon. If you click on it, it takes you right there. There we go. So yeah, so it's exciting. Yeah, get the Kindle, it's 99 cents. Or And I also have a PDF on my site my website for the recovery manual, if you want to print it out too. So um, I think the main message for me, for everybody is if you've struggled with food, weight, drugs, alcohol, and you had a default, you know, even if you don't, let me just back up for a second. There's one other thing I, I think it's important to mention. Some people think, well, I didn't have, you know, a parent that had an addiction or there wasn't any fighting in my family. Well, Here's another thing that a lot of people aren't aware of, and it's called emotional neglect. And emotional neglect is when a parent does not mirror and um, what, like when you come in from being upset at, from school or something and you're upset and your parent doesn't mirror and attune with you and treat your emotions like they're, they're uh, valid or they're important. They may even shame you for having them. And so you feel alone and you need that kind of attunement to really get to know your feelings and and to feel like, you know, how you're dealing with life is valid. And so emotional neglect is one of the most tragic things because there's no memory of something happening. And so it's really easy for people that came from that kind of environment to think there's got to be something wrong with me because nothing bad happened to me. You know, in fact, Robin Williams, the late comedian, grew up in an environment like that. His Both of his parents were very successful, so he was raised by nannies, and um, and he was an only child. And so he really struggled uh, without the kind of attunement that he needed. And, you know, he was in recovery with addiction too. And so, and had mental health issues. So uh, even if you didn't have an addicted parent, a depressed or an anxious parent, if you didn't, like, if you think to yourself, who did I go to when I was upset? And did I feel soothed? Did I feel seen? Did I feel heard? And if you can't really honestly say you did, you were probably struggling with emotional neglect. Um, 
I've got tons of books that I reference in my in my book about that, and also a whole chapter on healing from emotional neglect, and um, also for people that were raised in religions that were shaming. Um, as a lesbian in the Catholic Church, that was a traumatic experience for me. I've known other people that have been raised in evangelical religions that that they felt really shamed and traumatized by. I address that, um, and you know. At the end of the day, I guess what my main message is, is if you if you struggled with relationships or food or drugs or alcohol or any other behaviors that you have shame over, just know it's not your fault. You know, you you're doing the best you basically it's not your fault. You're not alone. And, you know, you can heal. We didn't ask to be traumatized. And and, and this isn't about blaming parents either, because parents do the best they can based on how their parents raised them. It's not to minimize what happened, but the point of it all is, is we can't heal what we don't acknowledge and see. And so, um, so yeah, you're not alone. It's not your fault and you can heal if you get the right support because it, it does take more than just talk therapy. So yeah, go to amazon.com, look it up um, and check out the reviews and you can even do the little look inside part or go to my website, marygiuliani.net. And um, I also work as a coach with individual clients. Uh, and I'm also a speaker. So if any of you out there need to speak a trauma-informed speaker, I'd be happy to talk with you about that. And um, there's a ton of resources on my site too. So, yeah. yeah I've got videos. I've got all kinds of things on my site. All right, all right. That's Mary Giuliani, who brought us, your struggle with addiction is a normal response to untreated trauma, as trauma is highly correlated to PTSD, and what she introduced us today, complex PTSD, which does not necessarily have to be related to, to sexual or physical trauma. It could be emotional neglect, or just experiencing and seeing the abuse of another, right? Absolutely. And, it, and and the main thing is it impacts your brain, body, and mind. And unless you get specific trauma-based therapies, you won't completely heal and you're going to struggle. So there's no reason for you to struggle when you can get the right support to heal. And that's what I go through in the book. So, you know, definitely get the support you need to heal. Indeed. So go to marygiuliani.net. Oh, by the way, just so you know, the, the banner on the, it's G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I. -I. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Oops, let's take okay. it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the mayor of, uh, the former mayor of New York, no relation, no affiliation, but G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I, -I -I. yeah. All right, all right. So go to Mary Giuliani, like the yes. great mayor of New York. Dot net. But not related. <laughs> MaryGiuliani.net. And pick up the book from Amazon. It's not about food, drugs, or alcohol. It's about healing, complex PTSD. Thank you, Mary, for presenting today on the More You're Than welcome. Therapy podcast. If you haven't All already, right. please subscribe to the More Than Therapy podcast by pushing play wherever you push to see your favorite or hear your favorite. I messed that whole thing up. Podcasts. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Be well, be Thank great. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Hey, boss. Okay. I said I'm fine.
question really, really hard for me.